Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee podcast, where me and my best friends, Danny and Matt, take a deep dive into hip-hop, the genre that has formed an integral part of our lives. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore Slim, Fitty, Biggie Committee, and stay tuned for any upcoming podcast news. Coming up on today's show, I caught up with CJ, formerly known as Real Prophecy. He has appeared on Sway in the Morning and has dropped some fantastic freestyles. Not only is he a great rapper, but he has also found a new path and new meaning in his music. This was such an interesting conversation, and we touched on some things I really didn't expect. But before I say too much, let's get into it. So we have CJ joining the Slim Feedy Big Committee podcast I've been following CJ for quite a number of years. If you haven't checked out his music, highly recommend checking him out. He's been rapping for a long time. Like I first saw his freestyle 52 bars back in 2012. So he's 27 right now. He dropped a dope freestyle eight years ago. You know, he's been doing it for a long time. You know, you look at a lot of people in hip hop, they don't have the same longevity. They start, they give up. So CJ has been doing it a long time so it's really cool for me to be able to speak to you and kind of understand your story so um i might throw over to you cj what what got you into hip-hop what got me into hip-hop well i know early on hip-hop was always played to me so i would have my mother's brother which is my uncle he would pray uh he would play a lot of hip-hop to me and being from the south me being born in Broward County of South Florida, we listened to a lot of Southern rap and he would play a lot of the hot boys. You know, he would play a lot of things I didn't remember early on as that young. And I just always loved music. Whatever my family played, they always had a good taste in music. So whether it be soul music, whether it be whatever was on the radio, BET, I just always gravitated to what I came across and what was played to me in my home. And what really got me, what really got me in that, that genre of hip hop is, I was fascinated with what people would say, you know, what, how they would say it. It's just, I always thought it was nice. I used to draw, that's something that, that was fascinating me. I never viewed myself as a rapper. I just always viewed myself as someone that loved listening. I was just a listener, someone who was a fan of it. And I'm not sure if the question is going to lead me into what led me to rap, but far as what led me into listening to hip-hop, like hip-hop, it was always played to me, and I always enjoyed it. You read my mind, because I think there's a big jump between, you know, the listening to hip-hop and then actually taking the steps to be like, you know what, this is something that I think I could potentially do. What made you take those steps or made you give it a go? What made me take those steps? I remember the first time in 2000, I would, I want to say 2007, I went back to Jamaica. You know, I would visit, you know, I wouldn't visit often, but I visited one summer in Jamaica and I spent that summer with my uncle and which is my mom's brother, the same one that would play the hip hop, you know, and he would play a lot of Tupac, a lot of Biggie, a lot of the Hot Boys. You know, he would play a lot of T.I., early T.I., you know, um, uh, 
T.I. King, T.I. He loved those those records. So I had a mix. I had the 50 Cent. I had the Eminem. I had the – he would play a lot of those, which I, I like those before this time I'm speaking of. But he would play it more to me, and he would rap, and, and he would, like, do a little freestyle. But he wasn't really a rapper. He would just freestyle much. And he showed me how he and how he would do his rap. And it's it's crazy enough because we we got into a, a, a debate about it, you know, about um, last year, and he he was upset, like he wanted me to give him all the credit for why I rap the way I rap now. So it would be in the past those music he played for me, I liked it, but it never influenced me to rap the way I rap today. That was what started me to start rhyming, you know, to to pick up the pen and say, okay. But I never stuck, continued once I left Jamaica. It was until a little bit after, it's the same year, 2007, when I came back to America and my mom was struggling and we didn't have a place to stay. And so there was a friend of hers and she offered that me and my sister could live with her while things get better. So while I was there, her son, I met him and he was telling me he's in a, a, a group and they were in a high school and the high school or the group had about five members or so. And he was the only one that did dance hall. So me being Jamaican, he was like, hey, I'm the only one that does dance hall. Are you willing to do dance hall? And I was marveled. I'm like, these guys are, are doing things. Like they, they got a group together. They doing showcases, talent shows at high school. And, that's what they told me. You know, I didn't necessarily see all these things, but that's what they were telling me. One of the members was who was named King Easy at the time. He had a studio at his house or he had equipment at his house. And it marveled me the first time. I remember I wrote my first record with the person I was telling you about, that I was staying with. And we did, we did a nice record for the first rhyme I ever wrote. It was, I was like, wow. I, 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 well, it wasn't the first rhyme I ever wrote. The first one I wrote was in Jamaica. I tried, I was like, man, this, this feels good, but I never continued from that point. It wasn't until this point I'm telling you about where I, I wrote um, this rap and because the other one was dance hall. And again, this was dance hall too, to be honest. So I didn't even get to rap yet, to be honest. The others was me trying to do a little dance hall. You know, I had a little patwa thing going on. So I did dance hall. And it wasn't until... I left from that house or that place and went back to my mom. It was just surrounded by nothing but hip hop. See, when I was with my friend, it was a bunch of dance hall. But when I went back to my mom, I wasn't near them. I wasn't around them. You know, I didn't have the transportation to go back and forth. And so I was just around hip hop. And the earliest things that said, you know what, made me want to get into rhyming was I wanted to be respected for my bars. That's the first thing I wanted to be the greatest. I wanted to be the best rapper there is. That's what I wanted in the beginning. Things are different from me now. I aim to be the opposite. I aim to be the least. I aim to be the lowest. I aim to be the last. If he was first, I'll be last, says my Lord. So, but in the beginning, in my old lifestyle, I wanted to be the greatest. So I said, you know what? I'm going to seek out who inspires me. And at the time, it was Cassidy. First, it was Cassidy, and because Ka and I, I was always a Pac fan. I was a Pac fan, but I wasn't influenced to, to rap like Pac. 
Well, you do say in, I mean, you do say in 52 bars, the greatest died in 96. So you have that quote in your bars. So for those who don't know, Puck obviously died in 96. So if you don't know hip hop, you wouldn't pick up that reference, but you know, you've got Tupac references back a long time. So there's obviously that pick up there for you when it comes to because that break I find that break interesting between Jamaica and coming back home so you start writing in Jamaica you're like you know what let's give this a go you then stop and then you pick up the pen why did you stop after the first time because I know like it's challenging but you you had that little break in between so what what made you go let's stop for now when I left Jamaica I wasn't around my uncle. He had that that influence that that made me want to rap. That made me want to say, okay, I want to write a rap. But I, even when I was there, it was I don't recall me writing a lot of raps. It was more like I remember one instance. I said I'm gonna write a rap, and I wrote it. It felt good. I was happy. He could maybe recall more than me, you know. So which I I could see why it, it offended him. And I apologize if it does offend him and I didn't give him the credit that he should get, you know, for being an early influence of that. But I know what really influenced the way I sounded after that has nothing to do with the rap he likes. You know what I mean? So the break, the reason why I stopped and had a break is because I didn't have that influence around me. So it wasn't until I went to another influence, that same one I was telling you about, that made me want to, that, that he introduced it to me like, you want to join my group, join our group. We're, we're doing big things. We're going to go somewhere. He gave me hope. I've seen them do things like, well, he spoke of things that they did, you know, and it made me think big, I should say. It's interesting. It's interesting because all the people that I speak to, they always talk about you need people in your corner. You need people to support you. You need, you know, whether it's managers, producers, friends, guidance, whether it's a mentor, you need someone there to help you on your path because it's not easy being an artist. So for you, when you started rapping, obviously you joined the group, you start writing some more. What do you do after that? It's, you know, there's one thing to start rhyming there's one thing to start writing but how do you start exploring it as you know this might be a career and this might be real for me as i started to write i noticed there started to be a quick improvement where from the first time i started to rap i was being comforted my friend was putting me on the phone with other members from the group and they were critiquing one i remember one was critiquing he was like and, and this was the, who they called the best one in the group. So it was like, oh, man, he's giving me critique. Like, oh, okay. And his critique was like, oh, okay, you did good here, and this wasn't good here. And what, you know, so I took that as like, oh, okay, you know, I just want to get better. I want to reach a point where nobody's going to tell me this is bad. So when I reached the point where I was alone and secluded and was just only making rap now because, you know, I, I wasn't raised in Jamaica, Patua wasn't something that stayed on me. It's like, the lo- if I stay there for a short time, being around Patua all day is going to cause me to start speaking that way. So when I'm now surrounded by just hip-hop and rap and English, 
I'm in the direction of rap. I knew rap all my life. This is what I like. So I said, let me do it. And I saw improvement early on. The first year, that very first year, I seen I was making a verse where I was very marvel. And it was this verse. I was like, my lyrics bomb diabolically, possibly with the apostrophes, child prodigy, no limit to my pen's velocity. So that was the, that was the first year. I was like, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. I just want to keep going. It was about my bars at the time. And then I said, you know what? I can't just have bars. You know, I'm a big fan of Pac. I love M. I love these artists who make songs. So then I started working on hooks and it became about music, not just bars, but music. Well, it's actually funny because we have this argument in the podcast, myself, Danny and Matt. I like to think that there's a difference between a track and a song. A track to me is something that is just hard. You spit on a song is the structure of, you know, having a hook, having that, you know, classic three hooks, two bars, and then it finishes. So it's funny and interesting to me that you were also like, I needed to learn how to make a song versus just spit bars. Right. I, you know what? You, you've shown me something. I never looked at it that way. And I agree with you. That's what separates a song from a track because a track doesn't necessarily have to have a hook as a song does. That's what makes a song a song. It has a hook. Some have a bridge or whatever, but it's the structure. Yeah. Well, Danny disagrees. He still thinks that it's a song and a track are the same thing, but we just have this argument all the time. But, you know, moving into, because I've the more I speak to people, the more they say, you know, you, you focus on the bars really early, but the actual challenge is to get into a place where you can create a song, where you can do hooks where you can make it catchy, where it's still memorable. How did you bridge that gap? Ooh. Well, what, what helped me bridge that gap is, as I was saying, like I, I grew up on music, soul music. I grew up on like my grandma, rest in peace. My mom's mom, she used to play a lot. She used to have a lot of soul CDs lying around the house. She had stacks of it, bought many of it. I would listen, me and my sister would listen to it a lot and they sang, they made music. And I would listen to hip hop songs early on and it would be like a bridge with hip hop and R&B and you could tell this is R&B and this is hip hop. It, it didn't seem like everything was all hip hop. Even at one point it felt like rock was hip hop and pop was hip hop and trap. And I just, so it was very distinct back then. What made me start making it into music is the artists that I listened to, they made music. T.I., they made hooks. People like, see that I said I respected Cassidy's because they made bars. But when it came to a music standpoint with a hook, beat selection, it didn't do it for me like how when I listened to uh, Eminem who had bars and he could make hooks and his beats. Well, you could see the the you could see the history of an Eminem. Where at one point you've seen a lot of bars, bars. If you ever listened to his Infinite project that he put out first, and then Slim Shady LP and Marshall Mathers LP, you're seeing the hooks. You're seeing that 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 versatility. I said I don't want to be that because I I started getting into the best rhymers, Big L, Cannabis, and you know what I noticed about them as and Nas and Jay Z. What I noticed between 
Big L and cannabis as opposed to a, a Nas or a, a Jay-Z, they don't make the best music. When I say music, I mean songs. That's what you were just referring to me with a nice hook structure and a great beat selection. They have phenomenal bars. Like if this was a creative player on a video game, their bars would be like 90%. And then when it comes to hooks, it'll be like 2%, 3%, 4 and everything else is like limited. But when it came to, to, to a Jay-Z especially, perfect example, because he's very versatile. He made hooks. He relied on a good overall record. And early on, I was more so a fan of a Nas. You know, I never was really a fan of a Jay-Z. I just liked that throughout the years. He made great bangers. But when it came to the respect and who had bars, I really loved a Nas, an Eminem, who had bars and could make music, the hooks and the beat selection. I said, I have to incorporate because I don't want to be like, when I listen to cannabis, it's like, I love your radio freestyles, but when it comes to your album, I'm like, no, I'm not bumping this. And even he admitted in one of his radio freestyles, you know, it, the album was whack. You know what I mean? So when you're saying that about your album, what do you think I'm going to say? So I said, I don't want people to say that about me. So I'm going to spend the time and listen to, I did a lot of listening. That's number one. I said, first, in order for me to do it, I got to learn from the best. So I did a lot of listening, a lot of writing, a lot of thinking and taking my time like that tortoise in, in the race with the hair. So yeah. I'm, a, I'm a quality, not quantity, you know, but once you reach the finish line forever, you can say I won the race. You touch on some really good points, especially, you know, the Big L is one of the greatest of all time. You know, he died so early. Um, we we talked about on the podcast, the big picture, you know, came out after he passed away. But you can tell in his first album that his beat selection isn't fantastic. And if you took fire beats and added to his fire bars, you would have had a completely different project where it would have right. blown up, where... You know, it's not mainstream hip-hop. If you love hip-hop, you know Big L, you know Big Pun, you know these people with the multi-syllable rhymes that can, you know, just come out with things that you never thought were possible. But then that's why it doesn't blow up big. You know, as you talk about people like Eminem, he hooked up with Dr. Dre and it changed the game. He got his beats, he got his hook construction, he... Then you've got 50 Cent, who, in my opinion, is one of the best at hook construction. He just knows how to make something catchy. Um, and it's almost underrated in a strange way, um, the, the ability to make a hook, um, purely because it's not the founding parts of hip-hop. It's just that thing that you need to be a huge success. I have to agree, because I've been saying for years, I'd have debates at high school Early on in college, 50 Cent is the greatest hook maker, in my opinion. I don't think there's no rapper that made better hooks and was consistent at hook making and just song structure with beat selection than 50 Cent. And I would always, and we'd always get in the debate. People say Nate Dogg. I'm like, man, because Nate Dogg is second for me. Like, he's right there for me. You know what I mean? I feel Nate Dogg with the hooks, like on Chronic. You know, the chronic or him with Snoop Dogg or all the, the efforts that he did with like even with 50 Cent and they both did a record together. Like and, and guess who was on the hook? You see, when I look at it, it's like 
I agree with you 100%, like with Eminem and what you said about 50 Cent and them teaming up with Dr. Dre. How would their career have been? And how would their music have sounded? We would, would we have gotten a Get Rich or Die Trying or a Marshall Mathers LP? And what Eminem tells me about Dr. Dre is, Dr. Dre is one of the cleanest in engineering, like how clean he masters a record. And I believe it. Well, you can hear it. You can hear it in, in the project. You don't need, like, you know what I mean? Eminem can say it all he wants, but I listen to a Dr. Dre project and I can hear how clean it is. The other thing as well is you look at, you know, the game as well. 50 Cent helps out the game to make his first album, the documentary. And there is obviously rumors, you know, debates as to who wrote the hooks, who actually did the hooks. But you can definitely tell that 50 Cent had a lot of influence in the hooks. They sound like he sounded in Get Rich or Die Trying. So you can see that the influence there worked for that project as well. So as much as anyone says, you know, 50 Cent, especially now, his music isn't what he focuses on. He focuses on other stuff. But you can tell back then he knew the way to go big is to have fire hooks. You can't just be lyricist because everybody knows underground lyricists. Everybody knows someone who can battle rap, but it's really hard to actually make a full album. And Cannabis is the perfect example. He can tear apart a beat and there's no denying he's one of the greatest when it comes to destroying a freestyle. The whole beat. You just I'm need sorry, the, the both. No, go for it, man. I'm just nerding out over talking about hip hop with you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and and it's just it's just cool because it's everyone at some point realizes that everyone in hip hop it's it's the basis of at some point you need something that is catchy because you can have the best bars but it doesn't stick in your head the same way. A catchy hook just sits with you, goes in your head over and over again, and you're like, oh, I can't get this track out of my head, and it's because of the hook. You, you, you're doing your research, you're listening, you're, you're working on your hook. How do you get to a point where you're ready to release your first album or release your first project? What, what happened with that is, see, I was, I was always releasing projects early on, like high school. I was releasing mixtapes. And what made me say, you know what, I want to do an album, is I was very inspired by Ice-T's documentary that came out around that time. It was like 2012. I don't remember the name of it. Oh, The Art of Rap. That's what it was called. The Art of Rap documentary. And he had many different legends on there. Nas was on there. Eminem was on there. You had Grandmaster Kaz. And I was, I was so inspired how he got these people that, are, that were still alive from the origins of hip hop, from you had DJ Cool Herc, which he gets the credit for when the birth of hip hop, you know, how it all began. I was very inspired because this is new knowledge to me. I'm like, I'm attempting to do something in a genre called hip hop and I don't know nothing about its origins. So here I am watching a man like Ice-T who was uh, early on influencing hip hop and he assembled all the different artists who have played a major role in the game in the time, in that time and before. So I was very inspired. I said, you know what? I wanna learn about hip hop and I wanna make my first project 
paying homage to hip hop, paying homage to the origins, to the people that brought it together. And it all started in New York. So if it started in New York, and DJ Cool Herc is from Jamaican descent too. So I was very like, wow. You know, I said, okay, that, I, that me and uh, <laughs> so I said, you know, what? I'm gonna do this. So I, that, that documentary inspired me to do the Boom Bap album. And you know, I was about bars at the time. I said, I wanna be known. Like I said, I wanna be the greatest. I said, first, I gotta make a project where I'm gonna be respected for. Cause when I look at my, my favorite artist, Eminem, although he had Infinite first, Look at Infinite. I, I don't know if you heard Infinite. Those records on Infinite, I was like, man, I was marveled. I was like, this for a first album still, I liked it. Well, the track Infinite is one of the most lyricist, lyric, like the multi-syllable rhymes in the track Infinite are one of the best you'll ever hear. You can see he had it from really early on. So if you haven't heard it, CJ recommend, mm -hmm. I recommend, go back, listen to Infinite. You'll see Eminem had it from the very beginning. Every, yes, and when I first, it was my friend um, that put me on it. And he was always talking about Infinite, Infinite, and it made me want to go look up all Eminem's freestyles. You know, and I was very inspired to listen to all of his freestyles. And that's what furthered my pen game. A lot of Eminem's freestyles, a lot of Nas early on freestyles, because he loved Nas more. He was always a Nas fan. He liked pre-Illmatic, Illmatic. And at first... And, and that's the thing. So back to, back to the albums, because that was the question. Eminem's first album, Nas' first album, Jay-Z's first album, Biggie's first album. I'm like, all of these great albums I'm listening to, and they're all timeless body of work. Majority of them, that is their greatest project. Dr. Dre. So what I did was I said, you know what, I'm going to do my research before I make this album. I spent three years in the making of Boom Bap album. Damn. That took me listening to a list of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. Of all time. You know, even Get Rich or Die Trying, Snoop Dogg's, you know, um, Doggy Style, Chronic Album, um, Wu-Tang's 36 Chamber album. Some of these are on my top five. You know, Pox, All Eyes on Me, you know? And I listen to those and I'm just like, oh man, Illmatic, their first album is the album. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna work on this album. I'm gonna spend all the time in the world to make the first album because once you make the first album, that's the first one. People gonna want more after that. So I spent all the time making the first album, which was three years. And, and, and it took even longer because I was, trying to get skits done i listened to my favorite artists i'm like yo how can i make a greater album than them because i want to be the greatest i want to be the best how can i do this if they got projects where their skits are like phenomenal and it sounds like acting like if this came from a movie and they're acting in it from red man with muddy waters to all of them they're they're literally acting in their skit ludicrous with word of mouth to all, they're, they're acting and it sounds legit. How can I do this? It stressed me to the point where I couldn't do no skits because I didn't want it to be less than what they have done because what they did was just timeless and I don't think they've done it all by themselves. So me in the position I was, I don't, I, although I feel I could have done the best I could have to get it to that level, it took me so long to do that when people in Florida are not willing this is the one state 
where I noticed, and I don't know all of the state, but in, in my city, in my area, Florida, we don't like to work with each other. It's always every man for themselves. Why do so you think that when is? I, jealousy, envy, not willing to trust people. Everybody want to excel, but don't know the way to excel. You need others to excel. If you guys all help each other, it would be less strain, less money, less work, less energy, less labor, less strength, and you'll be there. But many of them are not willing to do that. It's, oh, I ain't friendly, bruh. I ain't friendly. That's what they say. I'm not friendly. So it caused, it, it caused me to be like, I'm not friendly either. What and I think, had to- What do you think causes that mentality? What do you think, you know, what's, what the symptom is the envy, the symptom is not being friendly, but what's the root cause? Where do you think that mentality comes from? I believe it comes from poverty. I, I believe it comes from, it's just like how you have people go by the masses, what the masses are doing, what they see the majority doing. If the majority is, their head is high, they're like, you know, I, I, I can't look down at who's below me. I feel that rubs everyone the wrong way. And, and it's either you're going to treat others the way you want to be treated, or you're going to treat others how they are treating you. So I believe here that is exactly what they've done. They've seen people do this to them, and they don't want to be the opposite and be the better. They treat others themselves. So if you really, the real answer is they don't follow Christ. I had to learn to follow Christ. He said, do unto others as you would like done to yourself. So until I started following Christ, I couldn't do that myself. So, so now I'm applying it. And being the very few out of the many that do it, it's always going to be an affliction and a persecution, a hard thing to do. It's all about who's willing to do it. And I think the, the challenge is for, for everybody, you get hurt by someone and it's hard to trust someone else again. I think you see that with people when it comes to relationships, you see that with, with friends, family, whatever it might be. But you look at perfect examples, Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, that is a group of hip-hop artists that come together and have made one of the greatest albums of all time, but then go off, do their own separate projects, come back together. And it was the it was designed in a way by obviously, you know, RZA who, who brought it all together um, in a way where they could separate and have their own careers. And you look at people like Method Man, one of the greatest of all time as well. He's still... My favourite. Yeah. Cream is a classic album, a classic track, sorry. You've got all these, all these groups that spawned, you know, probably G-Unit to me is probably not the same, but 50 Cent carried some people with him. Um, but you've got so many groups in hip-hop that... And it shows that... You know, Run DMC as well, a group of in hip hop. It's it's kind of part of the game. So it's interesting that people wanted to do it on their own. Right. I, I, I It is very interesting. Early on, I used to be in a lot of groups. I remember I told you that I, I was in that group. They introduced me and I used to do groups. After that, there was like a duo. After that, it was like, like I, I'm not sure if it was another group after that, but I, I know I had my time doing groups. It was like a, a team or, and then it was after that, it was like a collective. This, this person raps, this person does art. He makes cover art. 
this person, he, he directs, you know, he directs music videos. So it was like a collective and I had to separate myself from that space because I realized when I looked throughout history, what I noticed was consistent with groups is groups always tend to fall out at some point. And I'm not going to say every single group, but the percentage of falling out with groups is so high to where every group I've been in no longer is a group. And I seen, and what made me realize that when I'm like, wait, if people are family, blood related, raised together and cannot agree once the fame hit and the money comes in and there's an issue, this person's the face of the group and, and the arrest don't like it, just like Eminem and D12, my band, my band. And, is either you're going to make a joke out of it and make money out of this joke, or you're going to say, you know what, I really find this an issue. How come we don't even talk no more? And then now you got this issue in the group, and now you don't have a group no more. So I said, you know what, I don't want to do group. I don't want to be a group as because I don't feel groups last long. So I said, I'm going to be solo, and I want to be collective. So as a single, I want us all to come together and do something. That makes sense. And so that time, the three years, you're making your debut album. How are you making money at that at that time? How are you, you know, surviving? Because I wish hip hop was enough to sustain our, our like to eat, to to have a place to live. What were you doing during that time to to obviously get to a point where you can actually release it and you have the money to to be able to do what you want to do? I agree. I do wish that. The rap was where you can say, you know, I'm going to buy a house. I'm going to live and eat and feed others, feed my family, and still be able to promote my music. It's, it's tough, especially when you're not making money and not known. So, or not known, not making money because you're not known. So, at the time, I was doing security. From my senior year in high school, my mom, who did security, she helped me get a position at the company. So I started as a security guard. And I, one of the first positions I had, it was at this location right near my house. It's literally like I could ride my bike. You know, I didn't have a car. I rode my bike to work. And still in high school, I had Monday through Friday off. Saturday and Sunday, I worked 16 hours. So from 7 in the morning to 11 at night, I was doing that Saturday and Sunday. It got weary, but it felt good when I had that whole week, you know, I could just not work. But then the end came again. It was like, so then from that position, it became, I was put to other posts. And the main post that I served was on Fort Lauderdale Beach. There was this condo in which one of my friends I met, and we still are, are brothers today, brothers in Christ, Carrington Sklar, shout out to him. I met him there when I was security guard. I was working there for four years. So all, all together, I did security for four years. And it, it's, it was tough. You know, I, I did security. I, I took money, put it in, in my music, did studio time, paid for my album. And I wasn't making no money from rap at the time. I paid, I paid to do showcases. First time going to New York in 2014 on my own to go enter this Rock the Mic showcase that was like hosted by Hot 97, DJ Absolute. And, and then another time 
and another time until 2017 came, I was removed from my post. And my company, well, at the time, they wasn't paying me on time. Like they owed IRS and they still wanted you to show up to work and they didn't care. And I still had to catch a bus to work, you know, three hour bus ride and two buses, you know, all these things. So I said, you know what, I'm making money from the music. I'm making more from the music than I am actually making from my job. And I was making a decent amount. So I said, you know what, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to be a slave to, to anyone else. I don't want to work for anyone else. I want to put money in my music and the money I get from my music, which is a blessing, I'm going to put it back into the music and do what is necessary so I can get the money. And that all started when I was saving up money. I was saving up about five grand. My mom said, save up for a car. And she said, save about two grand. And I said, okay, I got the two grand. She's like, oh, because well, she was going to give me an extra grand. She's like, oh, I don't have the grand right now. Keep saving. I say 3000 Okay, oh, I don't have it right now. Keep saving. So I kept saving until I had about 5000 You know, I had a decision. I said, I could get a car, but I could just invest that in the music. I invested back in the music, made videos like Can't Stop and all, you know, said I'm going to start making more commercial rap. I, I first invested in like 52 bars, did a terrible YouTube ad, you know, paid like a, like 1000 200 just to get like 6k views it was like wait what like you know what i mean and, and i bid too high the person on the online that told me um the one of the operators or the representative they told me that you bid high and I, man i ended up messing everything up so i ended up, when 52 bars started doing well that was like late 2015 and when i started to see that on twitter going doing good i said mm, i'm gonna put this on on uh, retailers. Soon as I put it on the retailers, money started coming in. Like they don't give you the money like right away. You know what I mean? Like the first time is like, I think it's like about three months you gotta wait. But from there I was like, wow, the money is starting to come in from music. And from there I just kept building and saving with my job. And when they took me off the post, I had a decision. I either stay with my company and go to another post or just quit and then just focus on the music alone. And I haven't, since then, the only job I had was like um, no, end, November to like the beginning of the year because it was a seasonal job and that was at UPS. And when that ended, they didn't really, they didn't want to keep me. So I said, you know what, I'll just leave. And then still I'm like, I don't want to go back. You always, see, you always see the, the challenge for an artist between, you know, working, quote unquote, a real job versus doing what you love, which is the art and making money from from your art. And you always see, I'm sure you saw as well, as soon as you quit that distraction, your art elevates. So yes. have, did you find that as soon as you let go of the Saturday, Sunday grind, that you had more energy to focus on your music? Yes, yes, absolutely, because... And I mean, and, and, and with like, see the first post I, I was doing Saturday and Sunday. And then, um, that was when I was in high school. And right after that, I started doing other posts and got a, like a, a weekday shift and got it like divided. So it was, you know, Monday through Friday or whatever the shift was. I don't remember. I would, I would get, this is the thing I noticed throughout my history of rap. 
I'm very slow when it comes to making music. I got to take my time and I don't get the inspiration as often. So I would be going months without inspiration. Just writer's block would be defeating me. And not only that, I would be letting it defeat me. I'm in the same area, doing the same thing, going to the same job and the same school and not getting enough inspiration. So I wouldn't put out a lot of music. So I was going to school and going to work and getting about four hours of rest to go back to work and work an overnight shift. I would work from 11 to seven this time. Like for four, most of the four years I was doing a night shift, 11 at night to 7 a.m. in the morning. Then I'll catch the bus to school. And then from doing my classes, I'll go back home and then catch the bus back to work. So it would be like, I don't really have much rest. And at the same time, I'm not getting as influenced. I'm not having that time and focus to put all into my music. Yeah, that's that's really hard because I, it's it's the challenge that coming up, you, you're young, you don't have money, you still want to be educated, you still got to learn because as much as art does make money, it's still important to look after yourself you don't have to go to college you don't have to go to university but just to have a base level of understanding of things in the world that just interest you like when i was at school i loved sport i loved you know history stuff like that but um it, it often just doesn't doesn't make up part of your life it just helps you have the skills because if you can't write when you don't know english you can't become a rapper because you need understanding of the written right. word so if there's these things that we see as underrated, but they transfer really well into everything else that we do. But I, I saw that as well after you you started dropping um, music projects. You also went on uh, Sway um, on the radio. You did a freestyle as well. How did you get to that point where you're like, you know, Sway is a huge name in the game. He's interviewed. Eminem, he has had one of the most exclusive interviews, you know, in the world ever, speaking with Eminem about, you know, Kamikaze and speaking to him after a long absence in, in the light. So how did you hook that up? How did you get to a point where you were invited onto the show? Mm, yes. And I, I wanted to start out by saying, yes, that is true. Because as I said, I used to listen to a lot of Eminem's freestyles. And I noticed early on he was on the wake up show. So Sway was a part of that, and I would hear Sway's voice. And even when Eminem did Eight Mile, there was an interview with him in Eight Mile, and he was saying like, "Oh, you were busted without the rhymes, mustard without the rhymes." <laughs> like I remember that time with Sway, and I was like, "Wow, I got it." You know, I remember Sway from early on. And now that I'm older and know that okay, Sway is a huge platform. I was on Twitter, and at the time, it was a lot of Twitter promotion that was done. So there was something called TweetDeck at the time. Well, I mean, they probably have TweetDeck, but it's how people use the TweetDeck. So it would be like these specific people that use the TweetDeck that knows and have access to these TweetDecks. And they were people who had these accounts that had a lot of following, you know, all different accounts, whether it be like um, uh, account that specialized in just, you know, little phrases or account that specialize in rap videos, 30 second clips of, of a rap freestyle or something. So one of them that I follow was Hot Freestyle. You know, it, it was growing and it was very big. And I first I started out, I used to pay different ones. I say, oh, how much do you charge just to place this on here or place that on here? And they would give me their price. 
and and whether it was worth it or not, I took the risk and did it. You know, couldn't hurt. I, I believed in myself and I put it on there. So when he told, when I used to do all that, and I got introduced to someone that said, "Okay, tweet that," and I have access. Instead of spending all your money on different little things, pay for access for a tweet that. And I paid for it, and they showed me how to do it. And it's this thing where you retweet it, and it keeps retweeting to all the different big pages. So all these different big pages get to see your tweet and all their following. Well, not all of their following, because, you know, social media, they, like, restrict. Yeah. So the following that do get to see it, they would either retweet it or comment. Some people, man, I'm tired of seeing the same tweet. I'm tired of keeping <laughs> So... They, and then at the times you keep it like on the hush, don't be telling, you know, but I'm, I'm with Christ now, so I got to tell the truth. So the truth is, tweet that. And I would have a, one of the videos was F Hip Hop. That was one of my freestyles that I had, you know, one of my songs. That's the first video I ever shot. And I had did a 30 second clip of it and I would tweet deck it a lot, but I, at Sway. And he has to see this one because I keep retweeting it. He got to see this. You have to see this way. You gon' see this. And sure enough, he saw it. And he was, and then, but he saw the the reactions. Like he saw people commenting, saying, "Yeah, sway, act sway, yo, you know, tell him to come up there," or you know. So he saw that people were gravitating toward it, and he saw that it kept going and building up in his DM. And then when he saw that, he had, he had messaged me and he had set it up. And it was very like, it, it, it wasn't long at all. It was one of those things where I had to prepare myself. I'm in Florida. I had to get a verse ready, you know, have something ready, like in like a week. And he's like, can you make it up here Friday? That's how it was like Friday. I'm like, oh, Friday. oh man, I got to write a whole thing. And me knowing like writer, writer's block, it would be like, man, I got to get a verse ready. And I got to be ready, prepared to spit. So I did all that. And then I had uh, paid for me to go there. And I stayed at my boy Carrington, the one I was telling you about, and because he has a, a place in Jersey. And I was staying there. And it was the night before I had to go into Sway. And I'm rehearsing my, my verse. And I was panicking because... I could not say this without reading it. I was like, man, I'm about to do this tomorrow and I don't know this. Like, I don't know, I don't get, I don't know why I cannot recall this and retain this in my knowledge. So when I woke up though, matter of fact, what he said was, he was like, bro, you're stressing it, bro. Just go to sleep, bro. He's like, yo, here's some weed. So, so we were smoking. And then when I finished smoking, he's, uh, he's like, yo, man, go to sleep. And then take a nap, just take a rest. So I, I went to sleep and when I woke up, I did my, I just did my verse and I just got it. I was like, wait a minute, what? So then went to Sway, did the interview, did everything. And it just was, it was history. And then I had a segment where I actually went off the top, you know, on, on Sway. And when Sway's like, yo, do, do your thing. And everybody else was to do 16 bars on the last, on the last round. He told me go last and just keep going. Just keep freestyling. And because I told him, I remember with, with um, Eminem and, you know, it would be like, yo, and Eminem would be like, throw me words, hand me words. So I'd be like, I told Sway, I said, yo, hand me words. I can flow off the top. Hand me words. And then he started handing me words, you know. Tell him your name, son. My name is Real Prophecy. 
don't stop the beat, just drop the beat. You know what I mean? It's just, and I just kept freestyling. That's it's so cool. It's like you know, that's the that's the dream where you hit someone up, they see your stuff, and they invite you on the show. But I I was watching the video and I can see like you still had those nerves still there because like it's like a dream come true. I can see it in your eyes where you're like, oh my god, Sway's actually asking me questions, and now and then you had to go. So um, you can still see that kind of youthful exuberance in in the whole thing. But man, that freestyle is is also really good. They switched the beat up on you as well, um, which is a different challenge in itself. And for people who don't know hip hop that well, the challenge with different beats is different flows because what people don't see if you're not into hip hop is that every beat has its own flowing melody to it. So you have to match the the lyrics and the way you let them out to that to the way the beat flows. Uh, that's why you see some tracks don't work, not because the lyrics aren't good, not because the beat's not good, it's because the two didn't match up. So that's a challenge, especially young artist and artist who's coming up, you know, there's pressure. If you flop on sway, you don't really make that back. But um man, it, it worked out well. Yes, yes, I agree. Did you, did you see the other person that was on there? No, I only three- saw you. Oh, oh, cause you know he has a separate video for all of us, and then there's one video for one of the rounds. Like, okay, one round is which is the first round. He has a, a video separate for each of us. The other two rounds are included in one video, and so you get to see all three of us in that video freestyling. So I, me rapping in the second round, in the third round, and vice versa with them, and the third person. Jay Mansa, he just kept, he just wasn't ready that day. You know, he just, every time he went to go rap, it was, he forgot. Now, it was a duo with them. And it was, although it was just him that was supposed to rap, the other person from his duo, Sway allowed him to go in there. And he killed his verse. He he came in there, just did it straight. And it's like, bro, you the one that got invited. So it, I was just sitting there like, man, like, this is why you got to really go hard you see i was panicking before the time came i was like man i gotta make sure i get this right and that's what heather b said to me she was like those times well that's what she said to him she was like the time that you put into it behind closed door there's stuff that people don't get to see but when you finally come out you know that's pretty much when you get that chance to shine and she said i don't know when that time is gonna be again when you get a chance to come up here you know but that was the time you're supposed to take and and i felt that and she was like, young man, if somebody would have told me you from that part of Florida, I would have denied. And I was just, so it, made, it gave, me, gave me confirmation. After that, what happened? You go on Sway, you do well. What's, what do you see happens in your career? And what happened after that? Uh, Heather B. And, and Sway was like, after this, I see many people working with you. And, you know, I, I felt that exactly what it would happen. And... What happened was I had a decision to make. I'm on Sway now. I finally did this. I had the Boom Bap. I have the Boom Bap album. And I'm not sure if the Boom Bap album came. No, no, the Boom Bap album dropped before. Yeah, because we, we promoted it on the radio. So I was like, I have the Boom Bap album. That's what I promoted. So they're going to see a Boom Bap artist. And early on, like 2012, when I wanted to be what Joey became, 
and I used to bash every new school rapper and and not every because I was a hypocrite. I love Chief Keef. I love Young Thug. I love I love those like those artists that were making those commercial records, mainstream records, but were catchy and they had those flows and their ad libs were some of the best things that was about them. So when I used to bash all those artists in my rap, it, it was really like a walking contradiction. So I realized that in myself and I said, no, I listen to these artists and, and they're reaching high levels because they're not closed minded. They're not in a box. So I started looking at other artists like Joey and I'm like, man, people are putting him in a box and they're putting all of those collectives in a box and everyone that only makes old school rap in a box. Although I could be big with that. I could be like, when I say big, I mean like I could have like a hundred million views or so I can, but it's very limited. It's very limited. So I said, you know, I want to work on my versatility. So the, and the other, and, and the, the main thing of what happened is my friends, you know, were in my ear, they were telling me with that box is my name. So I thought about old school rappers, like Buster Rhymes, Most Deaf and Immortal Technique, these names that they were huge and many people liked it in those times. And they have a certain sound to them that, that it's, it's like exclusive to old school rap. It doesn't fit my overall sound when I'm making boom bap with trap, with pop, with dance hall. So I don't want to be in a box, I said, so I got to change and rebrand everything. So I know before I became Real Prophecy, my rap name was Young CJ. And that was when I was like early, early on, Young CJ. And I even had a name before that, you know, and that name, you know, I got that name uh, from Boondocks. There was a character named Thugnificent. And I said, you know what, I'm magnificent. I'm a Mac that's magnificent. <laughs> and I even heard like, uh, I heard Boosie. Boosie was like, I-N-D-E-P. So I was like, M-A-C-K. And I was like, oh man, I did this. So. So I did, I mean, I went through many name changes. Even now I'd be like, man, do I, should I change my name? Now that I'm closer to God, I always think about all these things, but so I, I changed it to CJ. They were like, oh man, you should change your name. And I thought about it, I was like, man, I don't never want to change Real Prophecy. I love Real Prophecy, I don't want to change it. And I'm like, I still think it's a dope name at the time when I was saying, I still thought it was a dope name, but I was like, I feel like it's dope if I just pursued old school rap. but fact that I want a different sound. I I did I wasn't blessed with a name like Kanye West or Kendrick Lamar or Nasir. Like these names, Tupac Shakur, like these are their names, but it just sounds so unique, so dope. And I've never seen other people in the real world that have these names. It's like specific to them. And the way it's put together, I'm like, man, I love it. Even like Travis Scott, I I, I believe I researched in the past and that's not his real name. But I thought it was unique, you know, Travis Scott. You know, the, it, it sounded dope. It sounded like someone thought about a nice name and put it together. So I was thinking I want to actually have a name. When I think of Drake, before Drake became popular, it was like, Drake? What do you mean Drake? Like, it didn't sound like the biggest rapper and my favorite rapper today, like, you know? But then he became my favorite rapper today, and I respect him. Now, when I hear Drake, the only person I'm thinking of is this Drake. You say Drake, I ain't thinking about Drake and Josh no more. 
I, although I grew up on that show, loved that show, I don't think about him no more. I think about Drake, Aubrey Graham, you know? So I said, I want to be like that. I want to be the CJ, you know? I said, I always loved San Andreas. So I want to be the CJ that everybody think about. Like when you see CJ, I come to mind. So I said, you know, I'm going to be CJ. I'm going to be me. I've been called CJ by my family and my friends all my life. So I'm going to remain CJ. So I said, I'm going to change it to CJ. Where does CJ come from? What's the, the origin of CJ? Well, my government name is Courtney Jackson. I am a junior. My dad, his name is Courtney Jackson. And I, I've only really met Jamaican men that are named Courtney. You know, you have Jamaican men. You have Jamaican men named Ashley. You know, you have Jamaican men. So, and then you look it up. It's a unisex name. So I said, you know, and it's not me that gave me the name. I, I just was called that for a long time. They, like, others would call my dad Courtney, and they would call me CJ. So it would be the distinction. So I was always called CJ. And I'm a junior, so if anybody's a CJ, this is CJ. So I always knew myself to be CJ, and I was always called that. And only people at school would call me Courtney, you know, because in class. So I became CJ in my rap and known as CJ to the world. That's, that's really cool. I mean, when I first heard the name Real Prophecy, for me, it just sounds sick. And that's why you actually explain it, that you are, you know, that at the time you were saying you're the future of hip hop. That is the real prophecy moving forward. So um, it is definitely one of those hip hop names for sure. Um, the caught on. I always find it interesting when artists rebrand. You've got like artists like um, Crooked Eye who moved to King Crooked uh, just did a small rebrand. So it's always interesting to me, especially because you do well as Real Prophecy and then you obviously chose to rebrand because you don't want to get stuck in the one box. It's just the, the rebrand is interesting because then people have to learn a new name. Did you ever worry about having to... having to find fans realize that it's not the real prophecy anymore. It's actually CJ and that the music has slightly changed. You know, when people search, they're not searching for what they know. They're searching for something new. Yes. It, it was difficult early on because I, I, I was preparing myself for this. I figured people are, are going to bash me. Fans are going to leave. They're going to unfollow me. But what I, I had to, put in my mind was that it's either I choose to remain as real prophecy and keep myself in this box or I say um, suffer losing fans to gain more fans so the little fans that I have is like if you've never had 10,000 fan uh, followers and you're like you know what? I don't want to lose this 10,000 this 10,000 but what if what you do that causes you to lose this 10,000 allows you to gain a hundred thousand you're going to still stay with the 10,000 because you like where you're at right now. So it was not getting uh, comfortable in that box because of what you've never received. It's just a, really, it's a test of faith. So it's about how faithful you are that if you really believe in yourself and you really believe that you're going to expand a name change shouldn't truly stop you from reaching that unless your name is just something that's despicable and nobody want to get there. But even if you do have a, a despicable name, it's probably going to be known for its, it being despicable. Like, we hate it. 
We don't like it. We dislike it. I don't like it. Like when I first seen XXX Tentacion, I used to be like, I used to be like, what? How do you say this? Like, what? How do you pronounce this? You know? But when when it and then before he becomes what he become, you may be thinking, oh, I don't like the name. The name is this. But when it becomes the name, you think many think different about it. They're like, okay, triple X or whatever it is. I rock with it or however. You know what I mean? So and and me coming to Christ, I look at the name, I'm like, hmm, I don't want that name anymore because I know who the real prophecy is. It was spoken that he will come. He came. It happened. He died. Resurrected. It happened. He's the real prophecy. So I say, man, I can't take no parts of that. Like, I can't be that no more. Like, I would take that when I was in the dark, when I didn't know about any of this. You know, like, I, I was always taught to believe that, but I didn't do any of what it said. So I couldn't confirm that. Now that I confirm it, I'm like, I can't take no parts of being a real prophecy. Now, my fans, when they hear the old music and they call me that, I don't, I don't hold them to it and say, you know, I don't, dis I don't approve of it. Or I don't like it. I just say, you know what? I understand they love that name. Like, they, they rock with the name. And I, that's why I kept my music, my old music, 52 Bars, Jazzy, all of, all of the songs that I have in the past because it wouldn't be truthful if I get rid of them. Like, regardless of my journey now, it doesn't help people understand my journey and come closer to Christ if I just take away all the old stuff. I want them to see my good and my bad. I'm not perfect. I want them to see that. I'm not a perfect individual. This is who I was. Yes, him. Submissive, F hip hop. That, that's who I was. The boom bap album, I want them to see that. I was real prophecy. I want them to see that. Now I'm a man that's not real prophecy. You know, that's what I want them to see. Moving into something I actually wanted to discuss with you because I can see you're obviously uh, a faithful man. Like you, you've taken that journey into religion and obviously plays a part in your life in the messages that we've shared. You know, you, you are very praising. So I wanted to try and understand what made you go from hip hop, talk about, you know, violence, talk about sex, talk about all these things that are synonymous with hip hop and move into what would arguably be a completely opposite direction. What moved you towards um, going that way? Wow, man. First, I have to, that was, that's a marvelous question, man. Like I, I marveled at that question and it's, it's, I love it. And it, it no, arguably it is a completely different, you know, it's way the other way, you know? So what made that happen was, as just like we like when we don't know the future, right? I don't know what's going to happen one second from now, just as tomorrow isn't promised to me. So I could say this. I could say I'm going to go to the store. Many things could stop me from going to the store. So it would be a lie if I say I'm going there and out of my control, I still don't get to go there. So that's why I reserve saying I will do something. If it has to do with the future, I don't say that. So with rap, I said, I'm going to go to New York. I, just as I went on Sway, I'm going to pursue hip hop and I'm going to get all the riches out of the game and excel to heights. I'm going to go and move there so I can do just that. So I moved to New York, the ending of 2018. This was about September 19th. I moved to New York. I was staying with my mom's uncle. And when I was staying there, he was a very, a very religious man. And he was a man who, and when I say religious, 
I don't mean to say he actually followed Christ. Now that I know Christ, I can know who's a hypocrite, who's not. But he was a man that it, it, it caused me to be better, to be honest. Although he was hard on me, like very hard on me. Knowing me, someone who, like, I did the best that I could when I went to anyone's house. I wasn't someone that just was just tried to be dirty or whatever they asked me to do. I'm like, okay. And then I end up doing it. So like him, he was a man that he didn't even want no dishes in the sink, like leave zero dishes in the sink. The, di the sink itself got to be clean. When you go in the bathroom, the towel itself got to be evenly like, you know, laid. It can't be all just thrown on there. He was that type of person. So it wasn't, it wasn't mainly that. What it mainly was, was there was a next door neighbor who the person, the uncle I was staying with, he told me, me and him are related. That's what he told me. And when I finally met him, we would talk. He would be painting the fence and we would talk. And we became very cool. And we got into heated debates every day for about two months. And he was a man of God who read the word. So we would have debates all the time. You know what I mean? I will talk about me and my worldly desires, what I want to do. And I would talk to him going back and I would try to tell him and justify myself and everything. Never want to admit when I'm wrong. Just arguing back and forth. Never want to admit. And then he, he won every debate, by the way. He was winning every single one of those debates. I didn't win one debate. Not one. I have to make that clear. So... It became a point where I realized, I said, man, he asked me a question. And I, I responded with disrespect because I didn't want to answer truthfully. And he was like, what you said? And I thought in myself, I said, I apologize. And he said, oh. And then from there, it was like a humbling experience. From there, I started to begin to know something. And he was like, start reading the word of God again. You know, at one point when I started, when I came, became real prophecy, that was like in high school. I, used, I started reading the Bible a little bit and started to try to get into the word and, and, and go to like life groups. And I tried to do different things that helped me get closer to God, but it wasn't my time. Like, I just was like, okay, I, I'm going to just do me. When I met him, there was no running around. I was, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't explain it. What caused me to to say that all my life I was wrong. What would cause me to feel like I know something? I know one plus one equals two. I know things, but I realize I know nothing. Because based on everything you do know, when you place that on the weak foundation, when that weak foundation breaks, everything that you know comes falling down. So that's why the word of God says, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So I said, you know what? Before I say the instructions are wrong, I got to uh, apply them. So he would teach me that. He would tell me, yo, but how do you know it's wrong if you don't do it? So I said, you're right. So I said, okay, let me go in the Word and start reading. Start reading, reading, reading. And I, and I read the whole Genesis. I was like, hold on. I read this wrong. This is what I've been doing. I just read it like it's a regular book. So I said, let me start from line one. In the beginning, God created in the beginning, God. Oh, so God's already here, and he's creating. Oh, okay. And I keep reading, and then I'm defining everywhere. I don't care if I know the word, and I think I know the word. 
I'm going on Merriam-Webster. He's like, man, no, not just Google. You got to go on a accredited dictionary source where they tell you all the information about the word, where, where it tells you whether it's a noun, pronoun, the etymology, tell you all the different usage of the word. So I said, man, I've been doing things wrong this whole time because I'm lazy. I just want to go on Google and search up a quick definition. So I started researching that and, and I said, you know, what? I got to learn science too. Cause, and then I learned from many scientists that science goes with the Bible. And many, we're all observing the same observable thing. It's all of our interpretation about the past, which we cannot observe. And that's what it is. So I said, oh, okay. From there, I started reading more, studying more. And all 2019, I, I only put out two, I only made, I only made one song. I put out two videos, but I only made one song because I had to study the word. I had to know what I'm going to be talking about. And then I got baptized on my birthday, July 9th. And from there, I just continued to move. This year, I put out zero records. I put out no records. Because I said, I'm going to work on music. And I haven't got the inspiration to, to like I, I said about um, writer's block. I had that all, like all 2019. This year, I started to get more. Like after a year of studying, I started to get inspiration. So I started working on this new album. It's my third album. I had Boom Bap album, Broward's Finest. This new album is called Diver Save All. And I'm working on it. I got about 10 records that, you know, I, I got concepts and wrote most of it, some recorded, but it's not where I wanted to be. Third album, 16 records in representation of um, John 316. You know, for God so loved the world, said his only begotten son, and they should not pair. So I, I, I made my third album, 16 tracks, and it, so that it could be that way. Let them know this is my introduction to the world. I have so many questions. because My first one is just jumping off the back of, because you released your last explicit freestyle in 2019. That was, that was where you said, you know, this is my last one. This is the last time I'm doing this. It's it's interesting to me that as an artist, do you recognize me like before I go, let me have one more time. Let me let me go for it one more time. You know, it's not like you just left. You're like, I'm gonna still have a go. I'm gonna still, you know, I'm gonna say some dirty shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna say how in a fist fight I don't have to block your fists. I like you still went for it. So I'm interested in in what made you still release a track like that, even though you had already started that journey? Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. So I have to make this clear because I, I don't think I made it clear on the record. So I, got, I have to let the world know why I did that. So 2018, the ending of it, I was, I was writing that verse specifically to go back on Sway. That explicit freestyle i said i like what i did 2016 but i gotta come back harder i gotta come back hard crashing hard so i wasn't come i wasn't near god at that time it was like i wasn't even there i was just trying to get transformed and i didn't learn you know everything that i know now so it was like ah man i'm gonna just go up there and i'm gonna still give him a little bit of god and i'm but i'm just gonna go all out and say whatever i want and as the, as the new year came in, just kept progressing. Like I had put, when I put out THC, but I, I made THC um, before the year started. 
and I had a goal with another uh, friend of mine to go to Jamaica and shoot that music video there. And while I'm there, get baptized there. But it, it didn't go well the first time I went to Jamaica, which was like around May. And I said, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back home and, and ask the Lord that he brings me to the water. Not just any water, Jamaican river water. I wanna go to the natural river water to get baptized. So I just prayed to God that he don't kill me, that he don't allow me to die, that I make it to the water, God, I do wanna go. And it happened, it fulfilled. So with the last explicit freestyle, it was a verse that I had for so long. Like I had it that whole time and I was reserving it because I was trying to work hard and go back on Sway and present this verse and not have it like the time where he's like, oh, come this week. And then like I had to go write something right then. I wanted to have a verse prepared, ready. And that's why I did that. So I'm going to take my time this time. And I'm going to do everything right. And I'm going to go hard. And when he says come back up, I'll just have to write something new if I need more. But I got something to fall back on. So that's why I say, you know what? When I get closer to God, I don't want to just say everything that I have still in store. I'm just get rid of it and just throw it away. Like, I did it. This, I'm a sinner. I still did this. This is something I made. And I want to show the world that. So I said, I'm going to put it out. And the, the problem is I recorded it. Yes, as you said, now that I'm getting closer to God. So I can see if I recorded it before I got closer to God. But yes, I recorded it as I was getting closer to God. And when I look at it, I'm like, yes, it is wrong. I shouldn't have recorded it while I was getting closer to God. And I know that now, you know, but everything is done for a reason. It happened. And it's to be a, a testimony to my fans, let them know this is the last. I don't want to be a deceiver. I don't want to make it seem like I'm going to put out any more of these records. I, this is the last of it. And many took it as this is the last song I'm doing, last, but last explicit song, last explicit freestyle. I don't want no more explicit. I don't even want to get on a record that's explicit. Neither do I want someone to get on my record explicit. So I always, when I talk to anybody, I say, are you willing? And then they let me know if they're willing or not. And I've had people do that. And the reason why I do that is the more I get people to do what is right, the better it is. It, I, my Lord doesn't tell me I can't work with a sinner. Christ came and said, I came to call sinners to repentance, not the righteous. It's the sick that need physicians, not those who are healthy. So when I'm in this rap game, God's called me in this area, mainstream world. See what Kanye's doing? God's called me to be there. He's already famous, but I don't think he's going to do what God called me to do. So that's why I want to make it to mainstream hip hop and do what God's called me to do. So I haven't put out no records yet. I put out Suicide Sin, actually. Yeah. yeah. That was, that. honestly, I'm contemplating if I still want that on the album, but that was the start of me making the album. And that's the direction I'm headed with this album is going to be a trap album. And I really want to give boom back. Yeah, my fans want boom back. I'm going to give them boom back. And I'm going to give them God. I'm going to give them Christ. You know what I mean? I'm going to give them in a way that they've never heard it. I guarantee you that. I'm going to give it to them in a way they've never heard it. Because I don't like a lot of Christian rappers or who say they're Christian rappers. It doesn't sound good to me what they're saying. And, it, and I agree with what they're saying. It's the presentation that I disagree with. When, you, when I was a sinner in darkness, how could I go so hard on my rap and 
and make it so appealing and entertaining, take the time out to make people like it. But when I'm in Christ, I'm going to just say anything that's written in scripture, but not with effort. No, I, I spend the time because I know people hate it. They don't, if they hate Christ, they're going to hate me. I'm preparing myself. They're going to hate me. They're not going to like me. And I program that. So if they're going to end up liking how it sounds, I'm good with that. I just want them to at least like that. You know what I mean? Because they're going to hate what I have to say. What I have to say, they're not going to like. I, I, was, I was also going to ask you because hip hop is filled with Christianity and religious symbolism. They, like You listen to almost every single hip hop album and there is an element of God speak. There's an element of Christianity. You know, I know I'll be okay, but there's also the element of drugs, thugs, yeah. um, violence. And I, and I was wanting to ask you, what do you think of, of the two? Because they are in contradiction. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. That's it. I, I can tell, I can see that you're ready. I can see that you're excited. So I'm, I'm letting you have at it. That is a, that's a marvelous question that I, that I'm very, I'm marveled because these are excellent questions. I was somebody who used to say these things. God got me the mind elevation. You hear it on the Boom Bap album. You know, if you listen to the, um, I don't know if you heard, you heard Word Word? No, I haven't heard Word Word. So you heard the Boom Bap album? Yeah. So, all right, Word Word is on it, right? If you listen to the second verse in Word Word where I was talking about um, uh, Abraham, and I was talking about God and how he made, he's like women in which he made for man. And I, I, I would always talk about that. You see little traces of me, even in, um, even in F hip hop, you know, Jesus Christ, I was saying is my Lord. And I would say these things, but again, when people say raised in a Christian home, Christian home, a Christian, I was a Christian. It's not a Christian. A Christian does the will of God. A Christian follows Christ. That means if you don't do what he's saying, you can't be a Christian. I could say, you know what? I believe in Christ, but I don't do anything he's asking me to do. I don't see how I'm following him and, and actually a part of him. You know, like, hey, yeah, I could say I believe he walked the earth and I could say I believe he resurrected, but that's it. That's where it stops. Paul didn't say that. Peter didn't say that, but they said they were Christians. So as an artist, I have to make it known. I'm not going to say on to anybody else, but me, I was a hypocrite. I was not a Christian. I was raised to believe the Bible. I was taught to believe the Bible, but I didn't apply it. But I was saying I was a Christian. I was saying I was a Christ follower, but I wasn't that. So in hip hop, when we say things like, oh, God got me. And then in that same record, or when we say God first, God only. And in that same record, it's a bunch of cursing and bad this and sex this and everything God disapproves of. That is the contradiction. So yes, I am guilty of a hypocrite. I was, I'm guilty of hypocrisy. I was a hypocrite. So now though, now, me, no, I don't do that. I don't say that in my music anymore. Now, when you say drugs, very interesting because that word drug is not in the Bible. And you know, I go by the word of God. So whatever is in the Bible, the word is very important to me. So the word drug, we've invented a word called drug and we label these substances drugs. So 
that's to compare all these things, right? What is natural cannot be compared to what is chemical. Weed, wine are natural. I know man did not create it. I know man cannot create. Man can only invent. Man can only produce. They can only form. Create is to bring into existence from non-existence. Man can only take what exists and form it and put it together. That's all they can do. And that's invention. So I know man didn't create weed. I know man didn't create wine. So I don't consider these drugs, if we're going to call coke, crack, heroin, whatever chemical or non-natural substance people are using. One, when I see the effects of weed, people don't die. One, people don't get as high as the other ones. That's number one. With weed, this is why people leave weed and go to other things because it doesn't, it's not enough for them. They want more than that. That's why I know my creator made weed to have the level it has because it doesn't cause people to die. There are zero reported deaths from people smoking weed, let alone consuming it. Now let's say, okay, forget smoking it. What if you just eat it? You can put it in different forms. Let's say you put it in your food or you have it as an edible or you have it as a drink. I have the song THC. Then what? What happens? Because it's not getting into the lungs. What happens to the body? Absolutely nothing but healing people. I researched it. I said, you know what? When I was getting closer to Christ, people say, oh, man, you can't consume weed. You can't smoke weed. You can't do it. And you can't do this. And I'm sitting there like, hmm. Let me. And I was getting convicted. So, you know, I don't want to do this. And I talked to my friend Marlon, the same one that helped me get closer to Christ. And he did. He smoked weed. He's a Rasta. And I was, I was thinking, and he was like, we got to do more research. He wasn't buying that because he's a person that's a scientist. We put on our lab coat. We don't just take anything a person tells us. We got on our lab coat and we, we, we put our hypothesis, we test, we do the scientific method. And if it checks out, yes, I would do that. So in the word of God, Christ says this. Christ says in Mark, I think it's Mark 7. Mark 7 and Matthew 15. Christ says to the Pharisees, who came to accuse his um, disciples because they were eating without washing their hands. So they have this tradition where if, if you eat without washing your hands, you're a sinner. But that, that's nowhere that makes you a sinner because you, you didn't clean your hands, you know? So what they're implying is that if you with your dirty hands were to put food in your mouth, then in, inside is going to be dirty and you're going to die is what they're saying. Oh, or not die, but you're going to go to hell for what you're doing. So Christ ended up pointing out them as hypocrites, of course. And then he said, there is nothing from outside of the body entering into the body that can defile the man. Only that which comes out of the heart can defile the man. Lying, deceit, wickedness. And, and then when he left them, his disciples were like, well, what did you mean by that? Can you explain that to us? And he was like, are you without understanding? Nothing, everything, he, and he expounded everything to his disciples. Everything from outside of the body entering into the mouth. And that's what Matthew 15 it says. Everything from outside the mouth entering into the body cannot defile the man. Cannot. So what so, does that mean? Yeah. So sorry to cut you off. It was just um, because I know you know this, the, the Bible and the subject, and I think you could talk about it for, for hours. 
So I'm always in reference when the, with the drugs is more in terms of the the gang banging, the the you know mm-hmm. the 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 structure of giving impoverished people, keeping them down with with heavy drugs, cocaine, crack. We see that as a big problem. You know, right now there's the amphetamines people are having issues with. Um, so it was more in reference to the the structure rather than drugs itself, saying that drugs itself were, were bad because I believe that, you know, as I get older, if you're an adult, you can make a conscious decision, do what makes you happy as long as you don't harm others. But there is obviously this selling to people who shouldn't be sold to, you know, you've got problems in um, minority neighbourhoods where the the drug issue, alcoholism is a, a big problem and there's not enough education, all these things. But hip-hop seems not to have a go with that. So hip-hop seems to almost embrace it in a strange way where people are proud of having sold coke. You look at, I mean... 50 Cent, he talks about it all the time. He never did the drugs, but he always, that's how he came up. He came up by selling drugs. So it it feels like a strange kind of era that we're in in hip hop where no one wants to have to sell drugs, but people do sell drugs and it is still a subject that everyone's interested in. Like when I listen to Jay-Z and he talks about his past where he was selling drugs, it, as a as a listener, I'm always turning around and going, that is really interesting to me as someone who's never had to do that. For for that part of hip hop, it is almost ingrained. You've got groups like NWA who bring who bring the drug and the the gang culture to a mainstream. Whereas for you now, you're moving away from it. How do you see that playing out in terms of a broad scale? Well, I see on a a broad scale is. Now, like now, looking at the original question, the the big hypocrisy is just as fans glorify when an artist speaks of murder, and then when the artist ends up being convicted and goes to prison and spends many years, the hypocrisy now is you were an idiot or you were a fool for what you did. But all while you was praising the fool and was at the concerts and glorifying them speaking of their Scarface lifestyle and mafioso lifestyle. It's good. And then DJ Academics, he expounded on that. He was saying like, it's, it's like all good when they are making their money, eating, but they're still feeding our people drugs that's killing them. And they're still feeding the people these things. It's, it's contradictory for us to say Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, but we're feeding these people these things that are killing themselves, that is causing them to not live anymore or be addicted to the point where they can't function or or get to the position you're at. Also, you can stay at the position you're at. So moving forward, me, I see myself highlighting those things in rap, pointing out the hypocrisy and on a powerful scale. I see it done to where I'm gonna I'm a, I'm a challenge myself to go out of the box, asking the Lord to give me revelations, to give me ideas, concepts, that I can make them look into the mirror, these artists who are doing that. Cause you were saying about a lot of rappers seem like 
they're moving away from the drugs or moving away from selling the drugs. I see a lot of artists still promoting it, still in it, like the that talk about it, like I like I sell the drugs or I do the drugs, like or like future speaking about codeine or you know, many other artists speaking about doing drugs. And when you think about it, like Juice World, like I'm not sure how, if it went down how they reported it, but him consuming all those drugs before reaching the airport. It's, it's unreasonable. And even if you have all these people around you that are involved in these things, just take the charge because you've done it. You've, you are already around them. You allowed them to be around you with all these things. Why cost your life in order to, to push this drug thing, you know? But there's a deeper message behind a lot of their music that, that speak on anxiety, depression, and these things that's harming them and causing them to take so much drugs and abusing drugs. That's, that's just the side of the taking drugs. But on the side of distributing it, on the side of like how Jay-Z and many artists weren't on the side of use your own supply. Like Biggie said, don't get high on your own supply. You know, it shifted from that. You know, it shifted from that and it's more so rappers glorifying doing it. Many lie about doing it and are not doing it. There, so it's, it's all around hypocrisy and deception. And I want to highlight that. So I guess the, the counter, because I think... For me, I'll be straightforward. I don't really believe in God. For me, it's not something that has been uh, a big in my journey. I've always believed that if you are a good person, regardless of your faith, it won't matter. Even if God is real, I can honestly turn around and say, if I acted in the best way that I thought was was at the time, then I can will happily take that on. But for me, the more I think about it, the less I move towards that religious side. So I always find it interesting because we talked earlier about the the guiding principles of hip-hop. You know, we look at the big L's. You look at Cannabis. His name is Cannabis. You look at um, Tupac, Biggie, and the things that they actually rap about are not what would fall within faith. The, they're not what would, you know, in any religion, regardless of Christianity, they're not guiding principles. You know, you look at Big L and he literally talks about murdering people every single track. He talks about, you know, that. But if you're young, that's all you go back to because in the culture, that is, he's one of the greatest of all time. So f- for me, the, the question to you is how do you see people changing when, you know, even you and I, we talk about your big L's, your big puns, your your biggies, and the type of hip-hop that they made doesn't fall within your own personal beliefs. So how do you see that influencing moving forward? I understand you want to do your own music. It obviously takes a long time. So how do you see that kind of playing out? People are always going to go back to these timeless albums that talk about these uh, these things. Good question. And to expound on the, um, the original thing you said, um, thank you for sharing about your beliefs. Um, you had said one thing. You said you believe if people just do what they think is good. And the first thing that came to my mind is you had many did what they thought was good. And the result was it harmed others. And But there was a, something else you said. You said... Um, um, people could do whatever they want as long as they harm others. And the thing they don't is, harm others. as long as they don't. And that's the thing. 
people do do what they think won't harm others, but it does. And so my question would have been, is morals, right? What we consider good, is that objective or subjective? Like, is, is it a fact that rape is wrong? Like, is it a fact that if I were to hit somebody or force them against their will, is that objectively wrong? Like, I've always believed there are founding tenets of humanity that are within everybody, within, you know, I think you talk to 99% of the world and they're going to tell you rape is wrong. You speak to 99% of the world, they know murder is wrong. I, I don't believe that God is needed to tell you that taking possessions from others, stealing you know, those things to me are inherent in us as humans. That's my faith in humanity more than my faith in, in a divine being. So for me, I think, and I think intention is key. I think that if your intention is right, then I can, I can look past the rest of it. So it, I don't think in terms of, you know, you can turn, turn, turn around and this is, I don't particularly want to get too deep into it, but obviously there's a lot of people who have done poor things in the in with the guise of religion, and there are people who've done poor things without religion. So I think that it's a humanity problem rather than a religion problem, and I think that the problems we have in society stem to a lot of the structures that we have. And you know, the perfect example is impoverished communities that aren't you know shared the same resources that we have through wealthy communities so in terms of for me i guess it's it's all about turning around at the end of the day and saying that i did my best and i can turn around and i have full faith that i tried my very best and that i didn't intentionally do anything bad towards others because unfortunately as humans we're fallible we're not perfect so um i always see that as the, the intention, the thing, as you said, that comes from inside is the important part. What is it that I hold close rather than the other things? I, I know in my heart of hearts when I do something good versus when I do something bad. Okay. Yeah, so I, I won't say this. You know, I respect your wishes on not going deep. So I, I won't say it to, as a, a question. So I would, I would just say to as far as anybody else, if anybody else wants to hear or it's helpful for them. So what I've learned is there is no objective standard out, outside. Well, let me say this. There's no objective moral standard within humanity, within us, just man alone. If we're going to go off of what I feel is right, a next person feel is right, or what the majority, what would make that objectively wrong? There's been times in history where the majority are wrong. Hitler with, you know, the Holocaust. And many of them, they were right about what he said. They, they, well, they thought they were right about what he said. So but you see what the result of that is. The majority has been wrong for ages. So my question was really was to say the majority doesn't make it right. You know, like just because the many or the 99 say it's right, I was just trying to figure out what would say this is wrong because many people say it's wrong. So, and then, and then the next thing is, there's that standard. 
if everybody is doing what they believe is right, right? And there happens to be a judge, meaning like we can't see him now, but let's say that when everything is said and done and fine and then everything that I'm saying and been saying all along happens to be the truth. All that we thought we've been doing all along ends up being wrong because there was an objective standard that judges us and we will be judged accordingly. Just like if we say if somebody robs from the store or kills somebody or rapes, should they be punished? Same thing for our sins. If I did a little sin, like if I ate your food out the fridge and I lied to you about it, even from that little sin on to the biggest sin, everybody and everybody gets judged according to that. That's the one thing I want them to consider. Now, as far as the question about achieving music, now that I've shifted my direction and I'm choosing God and how I'm gonna get this influence, I've already listened to the Biggies, the Tupacs, the Eminems, everybody that is in darkness, even myself. I listen to my records, the Boom Bap album, all that. And it's not that I, I can't hear a record that they've put out. Everybody that I've ever met has never only presented good. At some point, they've presented evil and vice versa. So not everybody is going to give me evil on a hip hop album. Or even now, like Drake, he has a song like God's Plan. Although it isn't God's Plan when I hear it, there's good things about the record that I learned from. It's about the intent. Why am I listening to this? When I listen to things now, I listen to learn. I listen, what are you going to offer to me? If somebody doesn't have anything to offer to me in their music, then it's pointless for me to listen to it. I'm not going to bob my head because the beat is nice and all these things. And also... Let's say they are saying a bunch of nonsense, right? I don't agree with nothing they're saying. But it's catchy. The hook is catchy. The beat is nice. I learn from their catchiness. I learn how to be catchy on my record. I learn how to adopt these flows, you know what I mean? Like these ad-libs, how they do these. And that's what I learned from. I learned from the good things that they do. I, I don't just judge them and say, you know what? Because you don't follow God and you do a lot of evil, I'm not going to listen to nothing that you put out. What I'm going to listen to is the truth. Do you have some truth? I want that. That's what I want. That's the only thing I'm interested in. Christ, the truth, the way, and the life. I want the truth. I know that to be the truth. The truth, the way, and the life. That's Christ. So when I go through Christ, I realize I'm finding truth. I put these things to the test. I am being persecuted. I am being afflicted. I am being attacked. This is happening. It's all happening. So I say from moving forward, I ask for the inspiration from God. I'm going to do things different. I used to get it from other men. I used to get it from myself. I'm going to try things different. Like I said, I, didn't put out, I only put out um, one song that I wrote last year, but I did put out other music, and that's music I held on to before the year. This year, I put out zero music, but I've been getting inspiration to make music, and a lot of it comes from the old inspiration I've had, like just the sound of it, you know, the flows and I, I still got some of that inspiration, but with good words. So even if a 21 Savage inspired me, right? Like uh, Rob Banks, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Rob Banks. Like we went to middle school, high school together and he, he actually has some good status and I've always been a fan of his music, you know? So he influenced certain things I've done too. So when it comes to a trap record or something where I want to use deep voice or whatever, 
I'll do that. But guess what? I'm not using those words. I'm using something else. But the point is, does the music sound good? You know, that's what I aim for. I aim, um, I aim to do what the word says. You know, the word says, God, you know, the, the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So if a person that's rapping is using foolishness and their flow sounds good, I can use their flow, but put the truth in it and show it to them. And people will be like, wow, you just took this guy's flow and then put truth there. You know what I mean? Like if a person is not saying anything reasonable in his music, but he has a nice flow, I can use that flow he just used, but actually insert knowledge in there, insert something meaningful. And that would be better. That would be like, wow, why didn't the guy do that in the first part, you know, first place? Well, look, man, I find it interesting because you said earlier that you you started to read the Bible and literally look at every word, the etymology, where did it come from? What's the meaning? I I wonder what what your hip hop would have been like had you done the same thing when you listened to your biggies, your big L's. And I wonder what what you would have come up with instead and, and whether your your journey would have changed if you did that with their language and go deeper. So it just interests me as as you know, you're an artist and I just wonder how your journey, what bars you would have come up with when you did it that way. Ooh, man, like I've never been asked that question. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what would my music have been? Man, to be honest, because, man, that's a hard question because early on, as I said, I really gave a lot of new school artists shade. Like I, I really was very vocal about how it's changed from the from the origins how it was all about your lyrics about your bars and and how dope you are you know what i mean and how raw you are you even hear me early on oh i you know i spit so raw i'm raw I destroy the beat i killed the beat and all. all i hear is a bunch of pride you know i'm 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 greater than this person you can't outshine me you know as cannabis said you eat a you can't eat another person's behind like me like I hear these things and I'll be sitting there like, I used to like this. But, and I think about it, you know what I mean? Like, or even, even Biggie said, you, something about you so good, I'll suck on your daddies. You know what? Yeah, and I'm just Yeah, like, you look so good, I'd suck on your daddies. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what? I don't know why I like this, but I believe everything else that they did. Is, you know, I liked it. If I would have transformed and started moving in the light in those times, you wouldn't have got the Boom Bap album, for sure. You wouldn't have got 52 bars. You wouldn't have got any of those records that people really place high. Like, you you probably would have got a God Got Me, you know? Like, that record people really liked. You would have had a record, like, If I Had a Daughter. You know, I'm not sure if you heard those records. If I Had a Daughter, Mind Elevation. I've, I've always had some positive stuff in there. You would have had records similar to it. But even in those days, there was many things I didn't know from the word. So you wouldn't have got a completely the same record. It would have been more so like this. On my album, Broward's Finest, I had a song called called Easy. My song called Easy. And what's the other one? Uh, Last Forever. Last Forever and Easy. Those are two boom bap records. Or even, um, see, Lethal Injection. 
the hook I'm for, like the hook and the first verse, because when I listen to those, I'm seeing a story. It's a storyline of what happened, what took place. I don't like the second verse in the sense of me talking about the murderers, the killers. I'm judging them, and I don't like that I judge them. Although they did something wrong, I don't like that I'm judging them. You know what I mean? They killed a man, an innocent man. I don't like that that happened, but I, I don't like that I attacked them and said that they should be killed or like lethal injection for them. So I like the hook, you know, when I'm saying, um, and that's the thing, I guess, because I say lethal injection on the hook. The thing is, I like what I'm saying. It sounds good, but you wouldn't really have the same complete record. You know what I mean? Like my intentions always were good. Like it's always what I thought was good, but I know that I was wrong. You know, I had to go read and learn. Like until I started learning, I'm like, I can't judge anybody. Look at all the wrong I've done. So you would have had, you probably would have had a lot more confessing on my part. Instead of condemning people, I probably would be condemning myself on the record. You would have had that. And you would have had me finding ways to, to give them examples, like earthly examples. Like on my new record, I'm talking about like um, uh, a mice. They can't see that they're in a maze. They don't know that they're in a maze. Us, the scientists who are outside looking in, we can see they're in a maze. But that mouse, they cannot see they're in a maze. Or a fish that's never been out of water doesn't know it was in water all along. It has to first come out of water before it can know that was water that I was in. So that's the same thing I'm, I'm, I'm putting in my music, little things that we can understand that are in nature, that we've seen and experienced, that help us get an understanding of the world we have, of what is actually reality. That tiger that's been locked up and in a cage from, from, from a youngin, from a little kid, that how can he know that he's been in a cage all along. He has to come out of the cage. He's been fed imprisonment all of his life and he doesn't know, you know what I mean? He has to first come out to say, okay, I've been in that cage the whole time. So I'm putting a bunch of examples or like the, I was saying that the guy who's a commander or like a, the highest ranking in the military and he end up getting killed or, or getting badly wounded, but not, those who are lower than him, and he's begging for them to take him out of his misery. And in his mind, he feels he's gonna be resting eternally. But let's say you don't rest eternally. Let's say you finally wake up, just like when you go to sleep. It doesn't feel long, it feels quick, just like this. You go to sleep, you wake up, it's like that. Let's say when you die, the Bible says that those are still in their grave. They refer to them as sleep. So just as when you go to bed, you sleep and you wake up, it's quick. Those who are in the grave, let's say they sleep and they wake up quick. Let's say that happens and you're not sleeping and resting for eternity because rest is good. You say rest in peace. What if they're not resting in peace? Then we would be wrong. And I only say this to for, uh, everybody who, who wants to hear and, and meditate on it. What if you don't rest in peace? That's all. So I, in my music, it's only done to make people think now. Think. I just want people to think. If I'm wrong, you have nothing to be worried about. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> you don't. You know what I mean? You don't. I, if I'm wrong, you have nothing to be worried about. But if, if I'm right, that's eternally you have something to be worried about. And I can't fathom eternal. I could fathom, fin I could fathom finite. I can't fathom infinite. I know good. Every good thing that happens to me 
is temporary. Every bad thing that happens to me is temporary in this life. In the next life, good and bad will be separated. You'll have good forever and then you'll have bad forever. It's either you want good or you want bad, but you have a choice now in this life. In the next life, there's no more choice. You've made your choice, you know? So that's how I know things to be. And I was sent to preach, preach the gospel. I'm a rapper. I preach it through my music, you know? So I'm doing it now and finding ways to do it that I see other rappers do it, like Christian rappers, and I don't like how they do it. I feel that's why God called me to do it. Because I'm like, I hear it. I'm like, ah, this just don't register to me. You know, I, I've heard Deshaun Burgundy. He's one. He's good. I, I've heard his record dope. I rock with another artist, KB. You know, I, these are people I hear. I'm like, yo, I could see me connecting with them, building with them, and we could be a powerful force. Kanye, of course, because I feel he's still a musical genius. I feel he could still make great music. Even like that last project, there were some great songs on there. I feel like he has some good things he's going on. I feel he doesn't put that effort, though, as like college dropout, late registration, or you know, those those albums that were like, you see how we like Biggie's album. And those are legendary classic hip-hop albums, like College Dropout, Late Registration. My favorite is, is um, and I'm forget Graduation. I love Graduation. I love Graduation. The soul, the samples, the song. We're talking about having a song structure. I want to take things like, see a man like Kanye who made Jesus Walks. How did he make a song like Jesus Walks and have it playing in the clubs and everybody like that record? I don't believe in Jesus, but you like that record. You know, how do, that's my goal. I want to be that person that I could do it and people like it. Whereas these other per people I listen to, I'm just like, I personally don't like it. So I can't expect everyone else in the mainstream world to like it. So I'm the one that's going to come and say, look, guys. We got to strengthen it. People don't even want to listen to this. They don't even sound good to them. You know, it don't even sound good. So I'm that person that want to work with them and see what I could do and put my mind to it that I know in my past. If you think I was good in the past or think I'm a good artist or whatever people think about me, if I can use that talent and help others, that's what I want to do. Like, I, I just, my goal. And I don't, I don't, I feel that I'm still going to, need inspiration i don't believe all my inspiration is just going to come from god and i don't believe he ordained it that way i believe he put everybody here so that we could connect i could get inspired by a 21 savage or a drake i don't believe god wants me to not get inspired by them i believe he just don't want me to follow them you know i believe he wants me to take things good things from everywhere i see good things because it's a good thing you know just don't do the bad and that's my goal well man I'd, I'd love to see, you said, like, you'd love to, you you think you would have done more of music about your, what you consider your sins in the past. To be honest, I'd love to see a track like that. I'd love to see an introspective track where you explore kind of your, your inner self. I think whenever artists do that, you've seen all the greats do that, they... They take some time and it's it's hard because you've got to accept some truths. But I'd love to see a track, you know, where you just go go all in and you you focus on yourself and, and just see where you end up. I think that'd be an interesting one one to hear because I mean, as you probably already realize, I'm a fan of your music. You do sound good. I think, you know, it's it's just interesting to me to to speak to you and, you know, listening to to the hip hop that you are moving away from. And I was still a fan of that. So 
Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where you go, um, regardless of whether we agree or disagree. I still think that, you know, the, the good thing about music and as we see is that it brings people together from all different, you know, upbringings, you know, race, religion, whatever you want to call it. The, the, this is what I love about the culture um, is that it brings, it gives us, you know, the opportunity to talk. It gives us the opportunity to, to explore all these different things. But I always finish on on one question and it's, uh, it's like homework for, for my listeners, but what is the one hip-hop album that you think everybody should listen to at least once, regardless of whether you're into hip-hop, regardless or not, what do you think people should have an appreciation for? Man, that's a tough question, man. Ah, oh, man. The good news is there's no wrong answer because there's a lot of good ones. Okay. Now I'm convinced. I believe everybody should listen to the Boom Bap album because... Other than yours, I should have told you. Other than yours. Oh. Because we're promoting you enough, man. They'll listen to the Boom Bap album other than yours. I should have told you. Other than yours. Because I'm always interested to see what, you know, what people like. You know, if I had to give you one podcast to listen to, it would be my podcast too. So, um, yeah, other than your music, which hip-hop album do you reckon? Other than my hip-hop... Other than my hip hop album, ah man, that's a tough one, man. Because I'm thinking like, I have my top five. I know what I, I order my list as was what I feel is the greatest hip hop album. And when I think about it, I'm not sure if I want to say this is the first one they should listen. They should be listening to. Because my my number one hip hop album is Nas's first album Illmatic and the crazy story about it is I didn't like it the first time I heard it I had to hear Stillmatic no 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 not Stillmatic uh it was written man I heard it was written and I was mind blown like I gave you power all these joints where Nas is just flipping the story and when I went back to Illmatic I was like okay yes I can appreciate this it's when I was working on a boom bap album and I was like, man, this is the greatest hip hop album. It just feels like hip hop. I want people to experience it like New York feel. And the reason why I said my album, though, is because, you know, my thing is to bring him closer to Christ. So if they can see a man who made an album like Boom Bap Album and then transform on the next album and be like, why would what make him go from that to this? That was why I would say that should be the first album they listen to. But apart from my album, Man, I believe, I really believe, oh, man. I, I feel they really should listen to Illmatic, really. The reason why I say that is because as I didn't like it the first time and had to go listen to It Was Written, it made me want to go back and, and studying hip-hop, the elements, the, the sound, the, what made me feel like New York in the 80s. That made me feel like when when hip-hop started to emerge before it became rhymers before it became battle rappers you know before people did the rapping part of hip-hop it wasn't that it was b-boying it was free uh it was b-boying it was um emceeing and emceeing wasn't what we see today it was that person that controlled the mic that host you know this is the place to be come here back around three like that was the MC. And then that evolved into us rapping and spitting and battling and 
And now we got songs talking about Molly and Lean and auto-tune and, and, you know, mumble rap. We, we have all these different things. And now R&B is hip-hop. And it's trap now. Everything's trap. So you see how hip-hop evolved to where now it surpassed rock. But, when, but with Nas, I say, I say go back to what Nas did because Nas did a record that was, what, nine tracks? It was like nine tracks. And when you play it back, it's like each of these tracks, yeah, they flow. This is hip-hop. I think of those skyscrapers, those big buildings, those graffitis. I think about subways. I think about how New York is designed. And it started in hip-hop. I feel like this is where hip-hop should start, right here. This guy right here demonstrated the rhyming. He demonstrated how to make a record. He demonstrated beat selection. Primo was my favorite. He was my favorite producer for a long time. DJ Primo Man, is like, still my favorite producer. Still my favorite. I love it, bro. It's so clean. Like, on Big L's Big Picture, if I would have got, like, you see that beat? That, 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 the beat, the intro beat. Yeah. Man, that is what I love. When I hear beats like that with that melody, the scratches, he's the, that's the reason why I love Primo so much. The melodies, the samples, and the, the scratching he used. He would pick an artist like Guru, and he has Guru. Guru is the hook. You yeah. know what I mean? Nas. Nas is the hook. Rakim, when I be on the mic, Rakim is the hook. That is a signature of Primo. That's why I want to beat from him where he could sample, you know, some of my joints, and you hear the, the different... I, I, I'm interested because I want to know what records he would sample. What of CJ would he sample? Well, you know, one of my favorite and arguably one of the best DJ Premier beats of all time is Boom with Royster 5-9. That fire, check it out. Boom, Royster 5-9. It is amazing. It is just a completely different sound. Um, I think I think DJ Premier can almost do no wrong. That's 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 my opinion. But yeah, that's that's my tip for you. Check out Boom. Royster 5-9, produced by DJ Premier. You, you said two? Yeah, so Boom, and I was also going to mention Nas's Rewind, that track where he goes from the back of the story to the start of the story. I highly recommend. Primo made that? No, nah, Primo didn't make that one. But Boom, to me, is Primo's one of Primo's best beats he's ever done. Man, you, you're challenging me to think now because it's like there's so many, man. Like, I really like when I be on the mic, like, I like records like that. Also, man, when you look at Nas's New York State of Mind and like, bro, I mean, bro, that's, I don't know. that I don't know how you did that, but that, it's hard for me to, I'm trying to think. Look, the thing is, there's so many hip hop tracks that it's hard to have them all in your mind. I mean, the, the good thing is, you know, we talk about everything on this podcast from, you know, your, your career to hip hop, drugs, religion, Back to hip hop. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because everyone in this culture has true passion for for the music. And no matter what you see, whether you like the music, whether you don't like the music, whether you disagree with their opinions, yes or no, at the end of the day, hip hop is just what brings us all together. And it's better because we all have different views and because we all have different opinions and we make different different music and we do different things. So. Um, you heard it here first. CJ's recommendation, Nas, Illmatic, 
that's his favorite album of all time. It took him a couple of listens to get into, but check it out. You know, it may take you a couple of listens, but that's his recommendation. Everybody should listen to that one at least once. That was well said. Well, I appreciate you you coming on the show. You know, this has been two hours, so we've been we've been speaking for two hours. Time flies when you have fun. So it was really interesting to to speak to you. It was really interesting to get an understanding of you as a as a deeper person, especially behind the the art. Um, and obviously, for any of your fans, you've got you're working on an album right now. It'll be different to what he's done previously, but it's obviously it's still exciting. Is there anything else you wanted wanted to plug? Obviously, you've got Instagram um, as well. People can follow you on Instagram and, and and YouTube as well. So, yeah, I'll leave it out to you. Anything else you want to plug? Well, I just want to say that I'm working on this third hip-hop album, and it is taking the time, slowly but surely. I'm perfecting it as much as I can. And I plan to get it done before the year end. I'm not sure if it will be done before the year end, but I'm trying my best to get it to you guys. And I want you guys to notice the difference in how I used to be and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And my effort is for all to be saved in Christ. That's my effort because the time is at hand. We are in the end times. And, um, there was something you had said to me earlier, and I and I and I don't remember. But if anything, I could message you about it and and just give my answer, you know. But that's what I want the world to know. You know, my goal is only to make sure everybody gets saved. Well, man, you know, it was it was great for me to speak to you. Obviously, listening to music for a little while now as well, and pleasure for me to actually speak to you. But I appreciate your time. Um, I'll let you get back to your day and. Um, for, for anyone that wants to speak to CJ, obviously you can hit him up on Instagram. Um, he's, he's an awesome guy. And uh, it's, it was really easy for me to get in contact with you. And, you know, we set this up quite well. So, um, yeah, just wanted to, to give you props. So, yeah, check out his music. He's got stuff coming out. Um, he's, he's working on stuff. And you know that when he drops, he, he put his heart and soul into it. So um, definitely, definitely check him out. But... That's it from us for now. I appreciate your time, man. And uh, hopefully when you next drop it, you can come come back on the show. We can we can have a, another chat about the journey and, and where you're going to next. Wow. I look forward to that, man. Well said. I like how you put things, man. Well worded. And I look forward to that very much. I plan to hit you up. If the Lord will, I will hit you up. And I will do this again. This was great. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram at the underscore slim fitty biggie committee and stay tuned for our next podcast. Bye for now.